Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is both the Old Testament reading and the Gospel reading. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, welcome to Lent. These 40 days remind us of O.T. Old Testament Israel and their 40-year wilderness wanderings. A pilgrim people, God's guys and gals, on the go. Not home yet, but they're on their way. The same is true for us, dear friends. Behold the church. We are the new Israel, made up of folks from every social class, every economic status, every skin color, every language and culture. A pilgrim people, God's guys and gals, on the go. Not home yet, but we are well on our way. Lent reminds us, dear friends, that uh, that we are this pilgrim people. Now we feel it. We do. Every passing year, this, this homesickness grows in you and me. Sometimes we can feel like or be like those kids in the backseat on a long trip. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, not yet, but we are going and growing in and with the Lord. Lent, dear friends, calls us to leave the safe spaces and places, to, to leave all that's familiar, to follow Jesus, to follow our Lord, to ventures of which we cannot see the endings by paths as yet untrodden through perils, through perils unknown, a tad scary, but uh, we have quite the encouragement this morning, some traveling companions that really encourage you and encourage me. Uh, these companions, they have names, Abraham and uh, Nicodemus. These are men who leave, who go with and grow in the Lord. They leave all that's familiar and they follow the Lord. These men will encourage us in our walk with Jesus all the way home. First, the Old Testament reading, Abraham. Abram leaves the familiar and follows the Lord, the promise fulfiller, who says that he will bring blessing beyond measure to every single family through Abram forever. Now put yourself in the flippy floppies of Abram, for a moment. Caring for the wife, the family, the friends, the neighbor, confessing the faith of your father, contributing to the Chaldean culture, crying out to the moon to predict the future, comfy, cozy, content, and all that changes in the blink of an eye. Your entire life, as you know it, turned upside down, interrupted. Genesis 12, verses 1 
through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, Genesis is the book of beginnings. And what a beginning Abram has. His whole life changes with a single word. Go! Go! Leave! Go! How would you like to be the hubby to break this news to the wifey? Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, um, honey. Uh, I know we have it pretty good here, but would you like uh, to pick up and, and move? Uh, I, I, I have no clue where we're going, so don't forward the mail, okay, because we don't really have an address yet, and we probably won't ever get one. We're going to be moving around for the rest of our lives. What do you say to that? Um, my dear sisters in Christ here at GLC, how would you respond to that kind of hubby? Keep it PG, though, okay, please. Dear friends, this would not be an easy conversation to have. What? it? I'm actually surprised Abram survived the conversation. Why, 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 why? The Lord is calling Abram and Sarai to leave the known and step into the unknown. And they're no spring chickens. They're kind of in their golden years. They get senior citizen discounts at Mickey D's. And, uh, and uh, no kid. That's kind of a biggie problem. How in the world can all the families of the earth be blessed through this family who has no progeny? Hmm? And uh, grandmas and grandpas generally don't have babies. That's kind of a problem. <laughs> I mean, none of this makes a lick of sense but what does Abram do? Verses 4 and 5 of the OT reading. As Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Abram and company leave. They go and they grow in and with and through the Lord. Abram forsakes the familiar, the faith of his father, the family fortune altogether. You know, all the stuff they can see with his eyes and touch with his hands. And he follows this God who makes promises. Outrageous and outlandish promises. Like land to a landless lad. A blessed brood to a 
barren bunch with only promises in their pockets, they leave. They follow this Lord, this God, into the unknown. They trust him. They believe in him. They stake their eternal destiny on this God who makes promises. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, peasy for them. They had their doubts. Their faith wavered like our faith can waver. I mean, there were times when they manipulated and calculated because it appeared as though the promises were going bye-bye. Lied to protect themselves when God seemed too busy on high. Used a slave girl, Hagar, to get a boy, Ishmael, before they die, told by God to sacrifice their only biological son, Isaac, which made them question why, being led on a road where we don't know what's ahead ain't easy, but that's what they did. One foot in front of the other, one step at a time. Now, the end of the OT reading, I think, really sums up their walk with the Lord. Genesis 12, 9. And Abram journeyed on. Journeyed on. As they were led, they didn't know what was ahead. Doubts journeyed on. Disappointments journeyed on. Depression journeyed on. Disease journeyed on. Disappointment, journeyed on. Death, journeyed on. They hoped against hope. They trusted this Lord, and they believed he would never, ever look at one of his promises and say, nope. And he didn't. He never will. Every single one of our God's promises have their ginormous, biggie, Y-E-S, yes, in, 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 Jesus. In Jesus. And that's what we see play out in the Gospel reading, John chapter 3. We meet another man who leaves, who leaves the familiar and follows Jesus. His name, Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Nicodemus leaves the familiar and follows Jesus all the way to Good Friday, where he is the Satan stomper to bless every sinner as he promised Abram so many years earlier. Nicodemus is really intrigued by Jesus, but he doesn't want his religious buds uh, to find out. Because he thinks they will humiliate him, make fun of him. So he goes to Jesus under the cover of darkness. Verses 1 and 2 of the Gospel reading. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, before Nicodemus can even get a question out, Jesus starts teaching. Go figure, right? Jesus teaching. <laughs> Jesus starts teaching. 
he begins teaching about a new birth, a birth from above, a birth by water and the Spirit, a birth into the kingdom of God. Why, 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 why? Because Nicodemus needs a whole new set of eyeballs, which can only come with a new beginning, spelled, spelled F-A-I-T-H. Faith. Faith. Not a matter of trying harder, being better, doing more. All grace. All gift. <coughs> Look at Abraham. He was a pagan, for crying out loud. He worshipped the moon. He had nothing but darkness in him. And yet the Lord called, gathered, enlightened, sanctified, kept Abraham in the one true faith, as we hear in the epistle reading, Romans 4, verses 2 and 3. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. The Lord made the first move. He has to. We can't go to him. He has to come to, to us. And, and he did go to Abraham. The Lord proclaimed these precious promises to Abraham, and those precious promises produced in the heart of Abraham the very faith that could take hold of those promises and say, For me. For me. For me. Abraham believed the word and was made right with the Lord. No works. He didn't have to lift a finger. All grace. All gift. Abraham, well, his uh, old life behind him in the rearview mirror, his old life, uh, dead buried, that, that, that old life of worshiping the creation, that old life of being lost in the maze of sin and death and darkness. Abraham now had a new life, a new life with the Lord, the new life of going and growing with the Lord, the new life of worshiping, working, walking with the Lord all the way home. Now, Nicodemus, here in John chapter 3, not there. Yet, yet, here in John chapter 3, Nicodemus has no clue about this Jew, and neither would you. Me, neither would I. If we were in the flippy floppies of, uh, you know, Nick at night, we would be just as confused. We would probably ask the very same question that Nicodemus fires away at Jesus. John 3, 9. How can these things be? Jesus wants Nicodemus to believe. 
He wants Nicodemus to receive a new beginning. A beginning that has no ending. A beginning that puts him on the road with Jesus. A beginning of living by faith in Jesus. A beginning of hearing the voice of Jesus all the way home. What a blessing. Well, blessings, plural. All of this possible because of what Jesus says next in verses 14 and 15 of our gospel reading. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Through Abraham's family would come J.C., who would be lifted up on that cursed tree to bless every single family. Now, to really get this, what Jesus here is talking about, like the serpent being lifted up, and we got to go to the 40-year wilderness wanderings, don't we? God's people journeyed for 40 years in that desert, and during that time, they had a, a suggestion box for God, and they stuffed that suggestion box uh, full of complaints. Oh, God, my feet hurt. Oh, this water from this rock, it's, it's not cold enough. Um, yeah, the manna, God, really, can, can we, can we kind of diversify? Can we, can we change up the menu once in a while? Now, God did not fire his people, but, a huge beauty but here, he did send fiery serpents to his people that uh, bit his people, poisoned his people, and killed his people. When that was going on, they cried out, we've sinned! We've really messed up this time, God! Have mercy on us! And he does. He does. We see the mercy play out in Numbers chapter 21. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. A snake on a stick? That seems a bit absurd, doesn't it? This uh, bronze serpent reminds us of Satan when he sank his fangs into Adam and, and all Adam's children, pumping us full of poison, cursing and killing us. Well, Jesus comes to be cursed and killed for you and for me so that we can be blessed by him and live with him forevermore. Behold the Lamb of God who, who, who takes away the sin, the sin of the world. Where slithery serpent Satan punctured our flesh, that's where Jesus puts his lips and 
He sucks out, he pulls out all the poison, all of our sin. And where does he take it? To Calvary. To the Friday we call good. To the cross. And there, he's cursed. Killed. There, pinned on a pole, he crushes the head of slithery serpent Satan. It is finished. Completed. Done up. Salvation won. That limp, lifeless body tells us that there is no fiery serpent in this life. Disease, depression, darkness, disappointment, death, that can keep the sinner from making his or her way all the way home. Nicodemus knows this. He knows this. Now it takes him uh, most of the Gospel of John to get there, but where is he? Finally, no longer hiding. He's out in the open, and he's standing underneath this limp, lifeless, crucified Christ. He's at the cross. Jesus draws him there. And Nicodemus, he lifts up his eyes to the one lifted up. That's the one he believes in. That's the one he trusts in. That's the one that he stakes his, his entire eternal destiny on. This is the Jesus. Now he will follow. And he does. He leaves all that's familiar. His, his posh position as a Pharisee, as a teacher, as a leader. And he begins this whole new life. This whole new life of faith in Jesus and love for the neighbor. This new life of putting others first. Showing mercy. A whole new life of being persecuted by the world because of the gospel. This whole new life of being led to places you'd rather not go. This whole new life of walking with Jesus all the way home. A whole new life that begins with Nicodemus helping Joey of Arimathea take this limp, lifeless body down. Now probably his religious buds caught wind of this and cut Nicodemus out of their lives. No use for a guy that follows Jesus. But his life was okay. This was not a hapless, hopeless, helpless situation for Nicodemus. See, Nicodemus saw Good Friday, and what he saw was the fact that there are no more dead ends. No more dead ends, period. As Nicodemus buries this limp, lifeless body, Nicodemus buries all that could ever bury him Bury you, bury me forever. Now the Father's door is swung wide open. And there is nothing, no one that can stop us from getting all the way home with Jesus. 
So let's leave. Let's leave all that's familiar and follow Jesus, who helps us see so much better that uh, blessing without measure awaits us on this road home to our Heavenly Father. You are baptized. So am I. We have already received this, this, this new birth, this birth from above, birth by water and the Spirit. We now see the kingdom. We see Jesus, don't we? He stands before us this morning, just as we uh, say over and over and over again during Lent, these words, Hebrews 12, 2. Oh, come, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you see him? Do you? He stands before us now. That nail-scarred hand of his, he, he reaches out to you and to me, and he says, Come, come with me and live. And we do. We follow, don't we? We follow this Jesus to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, by paths as yet untrodden, through perils unknown. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. We, we get the Christian life is going to have bumps in the road. We understand that. There will be frustrations, fretting, fuming, fighting, failure. There will be those moments that we are, you know, overworked, overburdened by sickness and sorrow and suffering. We will have those days where we just want to throw in the towel, raise the white flag, and just walk away from Jesus because he's such a lousy leader. At least that's how, how we see him. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Look up and live. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus who endured the cross. He endured the cross. That's the eternal life game changer, dear friends. No matter what is nagging and gnawing you and me has already nagged and gnawed Jesus. He endured. He lives. And so shall we. So shall we. And as we go with Jesus, we are going to be blessed in, in ways that we, we can never plan for, that we can never have expected. Hope that holds our lives together when life gets hard. Grace. Grace that gives us the grit to go and grow in and with and through the Lord. Peace. The peace that assures us that this pain that we're experiencing right now ain't no permanent passenger. Joy. Joy of journeying with Jesus in the midst of things we can't understand. Well, he does understand. He gets it. He knows what's going on. He has plans and purposes for you and for me, dear GLCers. He does. 
He is making us into the very people that he created us to be. It's going to take more than 40 days. <laughs> uh, a lifetime, actually more than a lifetime, all the way to Resurrection Day, to our own personal Easter morning, when the J-Day, Judgment Day, trumpet sounds. What an alarm clock that will be. Until then, pilgrim people, one step at a time. One foot in front of the other. Some steps will be harder, tougher, more difficult than others, but we have the promise from our, from our God that every single step he will use to bless us. And one day, we will get to see in the resurrection exactly how. I will walk 500 miles, and I will walk 500 more. And so will you, with me, with Jesus. This Lent, we leave the familiar and follow Jesus, our leader, into the unknown together, all the way to our fatherland where we will dwell forever. This morning, Jesus says, go. And we, GLC, journey on. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.